Good morning. Welcome to the Bond Sunday Morning Services. Explore your faith hour. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. You can get involved by calling 888-77. No, what am I talking about? Forget it. That's a radio show. Dang. Uh, it's on the screen. I'm giving out the radio show though. <laughs> I do for those who are tuning in the first time for the first time, I do a radio show every morning, Monday through Friday. I'm, I'm, I am accustomed to give it out the number. That's what I was doing. But you can um uh, you can watch it. I mean this, the number's on the screen there. Good morning, everybody. Morning, morning. Hi y'all. Today, uh last night the time went up. Did it go up or back? Backwards. It went forward one hour, right? Yes. Was it hard to get up? Hard to go to sleep. It was hard to go to sleep. <laughs> and then hard to get up. Um, I noticed too this morning, I didn't want to get up because it was before time, I think. I wish they would leave the time alone, leave it like this, and that way we'll always have more daylight. They really should leave it alone, but no, they have to mess with it. Um, before I get into what you want to talk about. I, 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 I told you about my father was, uh, is, has Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. That's how you say it? Yeah. Alzheimer's disease is when you forget about things, people, and places. And I went back to Indiana to see him this past Christmas. And um, he remembered who I was, but he couldn't remember other things. And um, and so the last time I saw him, I just kind of figured he was getting worse, you know. And I haven't spoken to him. I had not spoken to him since being back there in December because he's in a one of those old people home or something. What do you call it? Convalescent centers where they take on people like that. And so I had not been calling because I didn't think he had a phone in his room, right? So the other day... My sister called me and said, oh, your dad been asking about you. You need to call him. And one of my sisters called. And I was surprised to hear that he had been asking for me because I didn't think he could remember. You know, if you just stayed away, I just figured he would forget. But he did. So I called him and he remembered, at least remember me. And he just had a birthday. So I asked about his birthday and he couldn't remember how old he was or anything like that. But he remembered me. And the reason I'm telling this story because I was surprised by it. But when my sister told me that he was asking for me, I felt so nice about that. That was like a nice feeling knowing that your dad is asking for you at a time like that when you think he has forgotten. And I was like, wow, that sure is. An, it was like a real nice feeling knowing that he had remembered and so I call him and we have some fun. I can always kind of make him laugh because I make him remember some of the jokes and things we used to talk about. And my dad is from the old school. And there are certain jokes of which I will not bring up right now that I can say to him and he'll remember and he'll just crack up about them. It's interesting uh, uh, how that disease works. Uh, but yeah, so that's an honor. I, I'm glad that God caused me to forgive my father and just work out all the stuff before he, he lost his, uh, started losing his, his thoughts or, re, or remembering things. Um, and I realized that 
for people who do not love their fathers, who still hold a grudge or whatever, life is real difficult for them. It's very difficult. Even if they, for some reason, even let's say the father's dead and gone. Even if they try to forgive the father and he's gone already, it still seems to be difficult for people who cannot forgive their fathers. And I think one of the worst things, well, I know one of the worst things that can happen to us is not to forgive our fathers. Because if you don't forgive your fathers, uh, except for God's grace, I don't see how you're ever going to know God. You have to completely love your earthly father, it seems, in order to reattach or discover God that's within you. And most of the people I speak to do not love their fathers. They have not forgiven their fathers. And the Bible says, how can you love God of whom you've never seen and hate your father who you, you know, you do see? And most people can't forgive their fathers. And it's so unfortunate. Absolutely unfortunate. So forgive your fathers, folks, if you want to know God. You got to forgive them. Um, any questions for me before we get rolling into what I want to talk about? What not? what I brought. Anybody bring anything? No? You just came to receive? Okay. Yes. Okay. I don't know if, it, uh, if this will ma- uh, matter, but this, uh, but uh, just today, uh, when I was uh, praying, praying, I actually saw, uh, saw my, uh, saw within my, center of my, my uh, mind up face looking down uh, down upon me as if it was judging me. I don't know if it was whether God or Satan, Satan, but it may have something to do with what kind of a person I am or what I was doing at the moment. So while you were praying, you saw your own face looking I down on you? I saw some sort of face. Looking, looking down on you? Yes. Oh. Well, if you don't know what it is, leave it as that. Uh, don't try to figure it out. I understand. Because Thank your mind would give you uh, it will make you believe something that's not true. I so don't worry about it. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing to me that you can think about the things of God, you know, like in your mind, or you just want to think about the things of God, and the mind is talking to you about the things of God. <laughs> it's weird. It, just, it won't get out of your way at all. Whatever you, if you want to focus on the things of God, it'll just hone in and make you think about the things that it wants you to think about. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on one minute for the mic. I had a question about time. Yes. Um, um, one of the, the hardest things, one of the things I do least well, I don't know if it's hard or just me, but uh, is spending time outside of work with things that need to be done. Like what, for example? Well, um, th- th- there's a charity that has asked me for some help. And um, I, I find myself simply not being, and, and I don't know if it's just being just plain old selfish or what it is, but I, I would rather spend an extra 20, 30 minutes thinking about another project at work than taking care, even of, of family, uh, you know, uh, de- taking care of family situations. And all right. That. And I've been that way for a long time. Yes. I understand so that. that. That's a very big deal for me. Yeah. And uh, as I get older, 
I realized that, in fact, I was just telling my wife this morning, I said, five years from now, uh, very few people are going to remember a deal I did. Yeah. But people remember the time you put into helping them. Yeah. And as you get older, you start to hear sirens coming. No, yeah. As you get, <laughs> yeah, up, no. as you get older, you start to realize that there's uh, friends of yours remember the darndest things. Yeah. And they were never about a, a work. Me. That's right. They remember, and they remember the, the nasty things you said, yeah. even though it's a light thing. As an example, um, I was talking to somebody who I was going to work for, and I said, you know, it's too bad. I'm not going to be working for you uh, because now you're going to be a competitor, and uh, I really won't want to spend any time talking to you. I was friendly with him. Not great friends, but friendly. Good yeah. And <laughs> he has repeated that statement to many others. It actually offended him. And to me, it was just the way it is. So it's that time thing. Uh, and I don't know if it's me being selfish, if it's me being scared. And, and the more I think about it, the weirder my thoughts get. Yeah. That's my, that's my biggest issue right now. Well, it's clear that the problem with you is that you have no love for anyone. <laughs> it's all about you and your ego and nothing else and no one else. It's not about your family. It's not about the... The, uh, the organization that ha- asked for your help is all about you because you lack love for anyone. And uh, you, if you had love, you would, the time would be there to give. But you're suffering, you want all you can get. It's all about you. You're ego-driven, and it's just about you. So you make up excuses that there is no time. There's time for everything that your ego wants to do. You make time for it. You do the things that is pleasing to you and for you, but you have no love for anyone else. You don't love anybody but yourself. Hmm. And so you're no good to anyone. And you're right, when you die, you will not be remembered for helping anyone. You'll be remembered you was a selfish pig and, you know, goodbye. Sure. But do you want that to change? Well, I certainly don't want people to keep saying that about me, but it does sound like the truth. I mean, it's 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 inconvenient, like the truth often is, to yeah. hear it. It's like I don't want to hear that it's Sunday morning. Yeah, I need and some more coffee before I hear that stuff. You'd rather just pay them off with a few bucks and get them out of your hair, yeah, so that you can spend time with your ego doing what you what you want that make you feel proud and puffed up and successful. Or, it's un- you know, the, the excuse I make is that I don't want to look like a failure, but it must be just the same But you are a failure. A person that is ego-driven is a failure. And you may gain the world, you may have all the wealth and all the living fine places, but you're still a failure. Uh, It's those who love others before themselves that are successful people in life. And the unfortunate thing is, because you're just about your ego, you don't even realize that God would bless you even more so if you thought of others and not of yourself. Because you're not developing that relationship with him, you're developing with your ego. And so you're missing out on more than you realize by not focusing on others, but all about you. It is, it is tiring. There isn't a sense of, uh, there's not a sense of, 
of uh, accomplishment. There's simply a sense of yet one more thing to do. Right. There's never a lack of There's things. no end to that. Right. There's no end to the destruction of the ego because you can never get enough for it. Every time you get a little bit, you think this is it. It want more until it take your life. There's well, this not is the same enough. thing as drugs would be as any other addiction. Exactly. Hmm. And I would do what you want, but I would suggest you change that immediately. And the way you change it, you go into prayer and be mindful of how you think. And then it'll start changing by itself. But you got to go into prayer so you can come out of denial about it because it's not anything that you can change of yourself. You can go out today and try to change it, and it won't work. Because it not, hasn't. It hasn't because I take a work approach to the things I got to change. Right. It still feels like work. And is you're doing it now because oh, uh, you know, it's still uh, ego driven because of what I just said to you. Right. It's not from the heart, and it's not the desire of your heart. Do you pray? Yeah, uh, every day. Every day. Yeah. And that's what that's what I've been doing when I when I do pray. I say, all right. I realize I'm not doing... There are people that are waiting for me to do things. Yeah. Right? Or would like me to. Or yeah. would wish that I would. And yeah. I, I, I look at that and said, all right, uh, what is it that I need to be doing? Now, of course, immediately all the thoughts about work come in. Right? Yeah. And, and work has a way of changing shape to always create a huge demand on my time. I, yeah. I, I get something done, and the next week there's some other thing that just has to be done. It has a new shape, a new whatever, new people, new problems, whatever they are. And the thing about it, your game is going to play out. Eventually you'll get old and yeah, the work and become will irrelevant. away. Yeah, and become irrelevant to the very people that could be uh, your friends later. Yeah. They don't care about work. That's right. Um, I know people like you who they have gotten help from organizations and other people themselves they have been helped and they won't take the time to give help back right. they won't take the time to help others because it's all about getting and it's not about giving and if you're not giving you got to struggle to get because the ego can never get enough I, I cannot understand how people can be helped by others and yet don't pause to give help back it's just mind blowing to me but that's the reality of what we're dealing with in the ego world. People won't do it. Many people, most people will not do it. A few will. A few people help. They give back. And they're open to help others. Even on your job, if you, had a, if you had any love at all, the things that you would know about God and about love, there are people in your job that you run across at work and during the day that you could be a light unto, you can help them. There's a but lot because more you're more about you, you, the people don't even know you believe in God. There's nothing about you at work to indicate that you love anybody. You know, because you, and so you're not able to help, you help bring people unto God because it's all about you. And I don't you know keep, about that. I don't know about that. You the, keep the work, that life secret. The work thing, eh, not really, but, but the work thing. What do you mean? No, if I'm wrong, tell me how am I wrong. Well, no, at, at work, I'm, I'm known as a person that actually assists people and helps them out. Um, um, one, of the, one of the problems you have in my industry is that people get pretty darn wrapped up in what they're doing. It becomes right. all-consuming. 
And I've been able to stop folks, I, I call it talking them off the ledge, right? I do that fairly consistently, right? And uh, more now than I did in the past. Uh, getting, getting the biggest deal, the next deal, the largest contract isn't as important as in how I'm doing it. And how I'm doing it means you don't do it by taking uh, unnecessary moral or ethical shortcuts or beating people up. That so do you help them in a way that inspires their life or yeah, no, to learn how to do the deal better? No, no, no. Definitely about handling life better. Inspire them? Yeah. I've, I've, there's, there's people that have gotten pretty close to uh, burning out badly, and I'd stop them. And there's one fellow I sat down with, and I, I, you know, I knew there was a problem and uh, a lot of circumstances, but essentially I said, all right, we're going to take half a day off and talk here, and we're not going to worry about business. What the heck's going on? I've done that a couple times now, and that's actually very helpful. And, and you're right, you get benefits in ways you just don't imagine right. from that. Um, and then the people tend to react. Actually, one of the funny things that happens is they later remind you of the need to be human or the need to be uh, less involved in your own work. Uh, you, you find out there's more to it, I guess, is what it is. So if that's true, why is it hard for you to give back to people that have helped you? Because work is my excuse. I, I, I can do it in the work context, but what I you, believe that outside of work, it doesn't, it's not really, I, I give you, uh, what, yeah, that's the What reason. do you do, I still don't get how you're inspiring them now, well, to, to uh, in a point where their life starts to change. I help them, well, okay, so I don't know, I help them with their work, I help them with their own attitude towards themselves. Uh, people can become awfully critical and self-involved and very upset, mm -hmm. and talk about themselves in a very negative manner. Uh, they can get, I mean, you know, get all into themselves and all that, and I, yeah. I'll pull them back. Or let them know that, that the kind of things they're seeing are fairly normal, have a little perspective. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's mostly, it, my, you know, work is my excuse. It's my excuse to do whatever. What would happen to you, to you if you didn't have work, you think? I really don't know. <laughs> I mean, for example, working out. I work out because... I can stay in good shape for work. Yeah. As a, that's, a, that's an example. Yeah. I come well, here sometimes because that way I'll remember to be patient enough and good enough that I won't do something stupid at work. I mean, literally. It, yeah, it's so everything perfect. is about you. Yeah, it's a, it, I didn't think it was about me, but I yeah. guess it is. Yeah, I, didn't realize it's about that's, you. I didn't realize that's what was going on. And, and, I mean, most people are like that. Everything is really about them. It's not about others. And until you learn to to until that changes where life is about others and not about you, you're never going to know the peace of God. Yep. It really is not about us. Okay. It's not about us at all. But he has it, God has it set up that when we do think about others more than we do ourselves, our life is working. It's interesting how that is. I was thinking the other day, I gotta, I'm at a point now I got to switch everything Everything that I thought was the way to go is not the way to go. So it's like we've got to switch everything. Instead of thinking of self, think of others. Instead of worrying, don't worry. Instead of, you know, just everything. And God has it set up. But we've been so deceived and so selfish in what we are. And it runs deep. It's more than just hating your parents or, or this job thing. 
we don't really know what we don't know until we start to truly seek God. Oh, it affects your stress. It affects your everything. Even yes. deeper than that. Right, right. Yeah, I really, agree that. The ego goes deep, and that's for sure. So you got to pray and start watching so you can overcome that, if you really want to overcome it. You want to overcome it? I, I don't want to stay where I am. Do you want to overcome it? I'd like to say yes, but let's see. Let's let the proof, the proof's in the, pud- the, proof's in the pudding. Let's, well, at least you've been honest. Instead yeah. of talking about it, let's just see how yeah. it rolls out here. Yeah. No, well, it's it amazing is, to see that. It, I know several people that have been helped through this organization, through BARM, my nonprofit. Those people don't do nothing. They don't give. They'll give a few bucks. But as far as time and, right. and consideration for others and getting involved to help us to help others make this thing work, they don't show up. It is mind-blowing to see that, but that's how life is. That's just the way it is. So just pray. If you want to change, it'll change. But at least you're noticing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's pretty clear. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty clear with the mic way out here. Well, I was telling you about it. <laughs> um, anything else? Yes, ma'am. His, his lines, I was just wondering, like, time seems to go real fast. and like you don't have time to do anything hardly for it's like nighttime. Right. Like, and the reason for that is there, there's no such thing as time. It doesn't exist. There's earthy time. I mean, yeah, like the day until night. Right. In between the there's time. earthly time that, you know, dictates what time we get up, what time we play, what time we go to work, what time we go back to bed. But other than that, there is no time except the illusion of the imagination. So if you just stay away from that and do what's in front of you to do, then you have time to waste. You would see the sun coming and going or however it's working, but that would be it. It would not affect your life at all. There's no such thing as time. It doesn't really exist. And yet people are trying to keep up with time saying that they don't have enough time. So they're trying to keep up with something that doesn't exist. And a lot of people stressed out with that, too, with an illusion. Do what you can do in the day and, let, and wait until tomorrow let it take care of itself. And, and come out of your head about the time thing. There's only so much you can do, and there's only so much you need to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's just an illusion. Speaking of time, there was a time when I was more compassionate, and then it seemed like I noticed I gotten away from that, like I wasn't as compassionate anymore. But I'm trying to get back to that. Good. Give me an example of being more compassionate. How were you? Like I used to like not judge people so much, like Uh see people on the street, like like feel sorry for them instead of like um or um instead of like saying like they should be doing something. You know, they don't have to be there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I started thinking more like that later on I started like oh, they don't have to be there there's all kinds of stuff they could do and, you know. yeah oh so at one time when you saw people on the street you didn't judge them for being there no I just because it wasn't that many people I guess that's why because right. it's like you know like okay they need help they, they need help um, but you know and I would you know want to help them but now I see people I don't even bother to want to help them, right? You know, because so many of them, and I know they don't have to be there, right? And it ain't so much free stuff out there, I guess. 
Are you resenting what you see about them? Um, no, I don't. I don't see so myself. So you don't resent them. them for it, right? Huh? You don't resent them because they won't work or they understand. No, I don't see myself hating them. Well, then you have but, compassion then. If you like saw them out there begging and carrying on, you know, like, oh, bum, I don't care about you. You know, if you judge them for being that way, that's when you lack compassion. But you got to discern what's going on in front of you. And you're right. There's so many, I mean, there's so much free stuff out there for people. They don't have to be on the street begging. They have shelters and free everything. The government give you whatever you want now. And they choose to be out there like that because that's where they are. And if you don't resent seeing that, there's nothing wrong with discerning that they could be doing better. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Uh, I know people who collect money at the post office, for example, and they could be doing, in different areas, doing better, but they get more money at the post office by begging than they would if they were in a shelter. And they take that money by alcohol and drugs. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're out there. And I know that about this person. Some of those people, because they tell me that's what they do, but I don't resent them by looking down on them, but I do see that they're wrong and that they can do better. But then I blame society because if people have real compassion for these folks, they wouldn't just give them money on the street. You know, you can look at some of these people and tell that they're drug addicts and alcoholic, but the ego make people give people money so they can feel good about giving the money. And they don't really care about the people at all. But they feel like they do because they handed them a dollar or two and then saw someone looking at them, giving them the money. So it's a game yeah. that's being played. Yeah. Yeah. But as long as you're not resenting what you see about them, you do have compassion. No. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. No, you know, I'm going to comment on what she was talking about, but you, all, you both already covered it. Oh, okay. I, um, last week we did this radio show, on my radio show, and I told you about this before. I believe I mentioned it last Sunday, where I had a woman on who was a, she was an ex-pastor. They have, she and her husband have uh, three sons who are now 14, 18, and 16, somewhere in there. And this woman, I had her on because she wrote an article about how she um, raised her sons not to be misogyny. Is that right? That's the way you say it? Misogyny. And that means to hate women, right? Misogynist. And she raised them starting at the age of when they were really little. She started teaching them that. And to me, that was insane to be teaching them that. And uh, this woman, especially being a pastor, you would think that she would know better. You should, by example, teach your children to treat men and women the same with honesty and compassion and fairness. You know, don't treat one better than the other. But in our society today, they, they are teaching boys to treat women special. Like somehow or another, they, are, they need to be treated better than men. And so she was going on and on, and she said one day she realized she had taken it too far because her son was uh, out in the playground playing with his little dirt trucks and toys, and a girl wanted to play with it. And he, the boy said no to, to the little girl, and she went off on the boy. I told you whenever a girl wants something, you let her have it. You know, just give in, right? And long story short, 
we got into other things about the order of God and the family. And I read some scriptures to her, and she agreed but not agreed. And then she finally, um, I finally said to her, you know, I really feel sorry for your sons because you have sat there much to suffer in life. That um, women, are, uh, women, there are women out there, not all at all, but there are ladies who hate weak men. And now these boys are going to be very weak, and that's just going to make them suffer even more so. And she's like, I don't accept that. That sounds negative. You know, she got all upset about that. And after the show, she t- emailed my producer and called me a misogyny, that that was an example of it because I didn't go along with her. And I wasn't yelling at her or anything like that. I gave the scriptures. I talked about the order of God and that we should treat everybody the same. And this woman treated, tweeted out later that I was a misogyny and she wasn't going to ever go on my show again. So what we did was we put the audio version out there on YouTube so that other people can hear and, and make the decision for themselves. And they sent her a notice to put it up on her site so that the people that she was texting or emailing or whatever can hear it for themselves. And she would not put it up. It won't go up unless she okays it, right? And she won't do it. And I realized that the reason she will not do it because she knows that she's wrong. And she want to put this one-sided message out there. And being a preacher woman, and I'm thinking, wow, if she feels that I'm wrong and I'm willing to put the conversation out there and she knows that she is right, why doesn't she want to put the conversation out there and let the people hear for themselves and determine how it really went? And I'm thinking, how... Why, how is it that men and women of God can be that way? You know, and this woman was a preacher, an ex-preacher. She's no longer a preacher, a pastor. And I realized there is a drive now against men that is worse than ever. It gets worse. And there's a drive, and secularism have gotten into the church. And so the same spirit that's outside of the church to destroy men is happening inside of the church, too. Because these people have gotten into the church and they're teaching the same thing as the National Organization of Women Who Hate Men. And that is men are bad. No good men. I was watching TV and every commercial was about women. And if they did show men, the men were doing foolish things. You know, they they were not sound-minded about anything, right? And I told a friend of mine, just imagine... What's going to happen to boys and girls who are just now coming into the world, being born into the world? And all that they are going to know is that men are weak and stupid and crazy and that women are stronger. Just that society where with us, we are older. At least we know that that's not right, that there is a balance. But there are going to be kids coming into the world who would not know the difference. And I hate to see what the world will become with that kind of mentality. But that's what's happening right now. And it's at a point now that where men are afraid to even talk about, stand up for themselves, to even challenge those situations because they know that they're going to be called labor. You hate women. You hate this. They're doing, they're calling men misogynists in the same way that they call white people racists. 
or if you're against homosexuality, homophobia, and all that kind of stuff, they're setting these words up to control the better part of society and allow evil to just come in in any way. And a lot of men are afraid of those titles, and they will not stand up and be men. They will not. They're afraid of losing jobs or losing business or having a bad reputation. They don't trust God enough to be honest and tell the truth. So knowing that God's going to help them through it. And because of that, it's bad. It's really bad. Yes. I was watching the Steve Harvey show yes. one day, and um, he was giving a lady a, advice, and he, she said her husband said something, and he said, you should listen to your husband because sometimes men are right. And the audience were going, mm, you know, like hear yeah. the groans in the audience. Yeah. And then he said, I said, sometimes. You know, sometimes men are right. I didn't say all the time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's back men, down. Like, there were a few men in the audience. They were just, like, smiling, you know. But <laughs> it's amazing. I see that all the time. And I'm thinking, wow, it was wrong for whatever men did in the old days and to women and however they treated them was wrong. But you don't, you don't clean up one wrong by creating another bad situation. You get it right. You make everybody treat each other as much as possible in the right way by being that example and teaching them the right way to go. But that's not how they're doing it. And it's unfortunate because it's bad for children to see that. Kids need to love both father and mother. They need to love both in order to have that balance. But it's just not going that way. Yes, sir. You know, the same dynamics you're talking about between men and women, how the world always seems to overcorrect and they wind up doing the same things that they that was done to them the same bad things right. and, and that's true with black and white and men and women you yeah. know blacks didn't like the way whites were treating them but today you can see they're treating them the same way or worse or that worse. the whites treated them yeah and it's the same with women don't like the way that you know, the, the men have treated them in the past, and now they're doing the we're better than you thing. Right. And, you know, creating all kind of, you know, falsehoods about men and, and stuff that it's, it's all, they, all they're doing is giving back what they were given. There, there's no real forgiveness or love or anything. It's no wonder Christ said he may have to, he will come back because I, I just don't see that love out there anymore the way that it should be. We need the love back, the God love, the godly love to come back in order for this thing to work out well. And with that come courage and everything else. One other example, I was, yesterday I went to the barber shop. So I'm sitting there waiting for my turn to get into the chair. And a Hispanic guy came into the barber shop and he sat next to me. And uh, so, you know, he seemed like a friendly guy, so... And he said, hello, and I said, hello. We kind of grinned a little bit. And so I asked him, I said, do you know what is the number one enemy of human beings? <laughs> what is the number one enemy of human beings? And he's like, uh, yeah, I think I know. I said, what is it? Do you know what it is? Oh, we did? What is it? Thought. Yeah. The mind. So I said, yeah, he said, well, the devil. And I said, well, what do you mean? How is the devil the number one enemy? He said, well, the devil tempts us to make us do certain things. And I said, give me the example of that. 
he said the devil, uh, he would tempt us by making us look at women who wear short skirts and, and stuff like that, and you find yourself doing things like that. I said, but what causes you to give in to the temptation? Because you can look at a woman in a short skirt and not do anything about it. I said, but what, what causes you to give in to that temptation? And he was like, wow, I don't know. I, I think I just feel it or something. And then I said, well, the number one enemy of mankind, human beings, is his or her thoughts. It's thoughts that the number one enemy. Because if you don't think on it, you won't feel it. If you don't feel it, you won't do it. And I said, that's why God causes, asks us to, uh, we have to bring every thought and imagination into captivity so that it doesn't control us at all. Can you imagine having control over every thought and imagination? You can't help but succeed in life because you won't be given into the temptation, right? And he was like, wow, I never heard that before. But I thought that you, I was taught that you're supposed to be thinking. You have to think everything through. And I don't, I don't believe you that thoughts are not true. I said, no, every thought you get is a lie. There's never a true thought. The ones that seem good and the ones that seem bad. He's like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know about that. I said, okay, give me an example of a thought that you had and it was a good thought. Give me an example of it. So he thought for a while and then he, he said, oh, I got one for you. He said, I used to live in Vegas, Las Vegas. And when I lived in Vegas, I made $35 an hour, $35. And I was doing, my family and I were doing quite well, made a lot of money. But then my wife started complaining that she, it was too cold and too hot. Because in Las Vegas, I was cold or, or hot. And so she started complaining, and then she wanted to live near her family back down here in L.A., and so I thought about it, I thought about it, I thought about it, and, and I decided that we were going to move back to L.A. And he said, we moved back to L.A., and now I make $15 an hour, but my wife is happy, and she has a car now, better car, and she near her, she's near her family, and she's happy. And I said, so that's a good thought, right? He said, yeah, that was a good thought. I said, well, the problem with that, and I've never met this man, never met him at all. I said, okay, the problem with that is that you are unhappy now. I said, you are unhappy because now you can't provide for your family. You don't have money left over. You, uh, your wife is still not satisfied. She's happy one day and not happy the next day. Your kids are messed up. Your wife is just like her mother, so you're now dealing with both. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, wow, that's so true. <laughs> he's like, that's the truth. And I said, so the problem is you gave into thoughts instead of doing what was right. I said, you're the head of your family. Your orders, your instructions to follow God, follow what's right. And then things will work out. In about 50 years, your wife will come around. But now you're suffering. You're suffering. 
and, and, and anything could go wrong now. He's like, wow, I never thought of that. And he said, I said, the one thing that thoughts do, they never let you live in the present. They always give you the illusion of the past or future. And, and, and you, they won't let you stay where God is. And God is here and now. And if you can stay in the present, everything works out for the good. And he was like, wow, yeah, that's true. They won't let me stay in the present. I'm always thinking about something else. I said, that's because you've been taught that every thought is true. You need to be into thoughts. And he, he did like this. Wow. He, hold, he held his head. He's like, man, my conversation with my wife would never be the same now. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and he had that accent, too. You know, it was so funny. But he's like, wow, I've never knew it. This is so true. And I said to him, I said, so are you seeing this for yourself that it's true or because I said it? He said, I, can't, I see it. I see it for myself. You're absolutely right about that, but I just never knew. No one ever told me that all thoughts are lies. I was, thought, I was taught to believe in thoughts, to trust them, that we do create them. And he was like going on and on and on about how he can never, I'm not going to be able to have the same conversation with my wife now, that kind of stuff, right? But he said, like, wow. I said, I've never met you before, right? He said, no. I, and I asked his name and he told me. But I realized, oh, another thing, he asked me, well, how do I overcome this? How do I overcome this? I said, you've got to forgive your parents for what they have done to you. You've got to forgive so that when you forgive, God would allow you to come out of those things. You stop being one with them. But you've got to forgive. You've got to have love for all people and not for you, but just forgive. And I said, you know how your mother screwed you up, right? And now you're married to your mother. He's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I said, well, you got to forgive her. She meant well. And forgive your father for not protecting you. And that guy was almost boohoo because he was just seeing it. And I realized we as, if we really love what's right, we got to be available for people. You know, because that's, God works through us. And if we're not so lost in ourselves and into self, then you don't know what stranger you may run into just need to hear, who need to hear a little truth. And that light comes on in them, and they go their way. I didn't get my website to him. I didn't get my phone number because that's all I saw that he needed. And when I got in the chair, the guy was smiling. You know, I looked back, and he was just, something came on in him. And that's why I said to you that you're very selfish. It's about you and no one else. And you don't realize that if you do believe in God, you represent the light in the earth. And wherever you go, you have a responsibility to shine that light. And God would give you the words to say, the right person to say them to, and everything. It just worked. That just came out nowhere. And it was for someone that needed to hear that. And they heard it, and I hope from now on they start to change and live their lives. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But if we're about self, uh, we're not going to do that. And what I realize is that we all deal with the same spirit, the same thing, nothing new. It's the same thing. I don't care how white or black or Hispanic or Asian or male or female that you are. 
It's the same spirit. We're dealing with the same thing. And that is the imagination versus love. It's the same thing. And people could, oh, he asked me something that was very interesting. Well, he said, well, what about the entertainers? What about the movie stars? They seem to be doing well, and they use their thoughts. I said, those people are so unhappy. They are very unhappy. I wonder what's going on today, all the noise. The marathon. I said that those people, lives are not working. Their marriages are not working. They are on drugs. They are alcoholics. They are from one relationship to another one. They are having children out of wedlock. And, and, and they do crazy things to stay in the media because they love that attention. If they don't get that attention, then the ego go wild and they feel like life is over. It's the same spirit. They're going through the same thing that we're going through. It's just that there's out there and it looked like something there. And he's like, wow. I have never had anybody ask me a question like that. How about the movie stars, you know? But the guy was ready for the truth. And every day you're running into people who are ready for the truth, who want to hear, God has put into your presence so you can help them. But if you don't have that love, you're not helping them. And that's so unfortunate. Because God works through us in order to get to others. But if you're locked into your imagination, if you're doing this and doing that, you're, you're missing it. Even on your job, you, you know, you work with intellectual people who make a lot of money. Fancy people, you know, but they still, they look, they're still looking for love. They're looking for salvation. They're looking for their help. And you know the truth. And if you know it, you have a responsibility to put that before anything else. And the beauty about God is that um, he would give it to you to give to them in a way where it doesn't hurt you. You know, you don't have to lose your job. You don't have to judge them and pounce on them. He would give it to you in a way where they are ready to receive it. And he'll put the people in your way who are ready to receive it. He's not going to put some person in your way that's going to get mad at you and then go and try to destroy your life. He operates that way. God is on our side. And he's not going to let anything happen to us that should not be happening. He's in control of everything. He's watching out for us. But you got to stay out of here so you can follow him and see that happening. That makes sense. Isn't that a great story at the barbershop? You know, we should be having testimonies like this all the time. Because we run into all kinds of people. And these people are suffering. They want some answers. And most people do not know that their enemy is the imagination. It is the thoughts. I see those thoughts driving people nuts. You could be having a conversation with a person who is in their head and not know that they're just living in their head. And your heart could be right with the conversation. You could be trying to help. But when they give back, when they respond to what you said, it's, it's a war going on. They act like you just attacked them. And they act like this and that because they think it's you and not realizing they're listening to the lie the lies in their imagination. We got to bring all those thoughts into captivity. That is our greatest enemy. I could be sitting and praying, and I notice it more and more. I'm sitting and I'm praying, right, just being still and knowing the Father. And all of a sudden, I see all these 
thoughts are coming through my head. I'm like, wow. And then they're coming here and go. And I'm thinking, wow, it's amazing how they just won't let you have that, even that quiet time with God. They got to be involved in everything you do. You're, you're just, you're sitting there not even bothering them, and they still want to interrupt, even in prayer. And that's why a lot of people think their prayers are not working, because Satan is creeping into their imagination. And so he'll say, oh, your prayer, prayers are not working. Look at all these thoughts you're having, right? He'll use that against you. He doesn't want you to know that the fact you can see the imagination is the proof that it's working. You're not a part of it. He's something else, and he works through the mind. Yes, sir. I didn't mean to go on and on. All right. I just want, uh, I just want to know, uh, know something. What you say about our thoughts being our worst en- en- enemies, I think the way I see it, it sounds like people want, uh, want to have th- uh, thoughts to become, uh, feel better uh, instead of becoming better. It's like it's um, like some sort of addiction, some a sort of way of playing God. You want that's what you deal with. You want to have thoughts to feel better. No, I want uh, want to become better. Oh, the way to become better is to overcome thoughts, because when you're not involved in those thoughts, you're living right here, right now, and in reality, right here, right now is fine. There's nothing going on. There's nothing wrong. You're happy. You're healthy. But if you get into that, that head, it's going to make you think everything is bad because it's going to make you look to a future that doesn't exist. You know, tomorrow you're going broke. And it's all about fear, too. It's all about fear. And people literally don't know it. That's what, and I didn't know it, so I understand it. I did not know the impact that my imagination had on me and I did not know it wasn't my own imagination. I was giving it to the devil because I didn't know how he was using me. I didn't know how he tricked me to do wrong. And I thought my thoughts were my own. I didn't know if I didn't give it to thought that I would not give it to temptation. That's why the Bible said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. If you can see him coming, he, he'll flee. He can't make you do something that you don't want to do. Isn't that like mind blowing to know that though? No, it's mind blowing to me. Yes. Does it ever seem to be stressful for you to be so mindful of the thoughts? You, you know, That's like good like question. they are the enemy, and there's so many thoughts that I fall victim to, and yet I see them, and yet they still seem to have a influence on me. And the reason that they're having that influence is because you're not seeing them before they overtake you. Okay. You're not seeing them. When you realize that they're there is because now you're thinking and you're feeling, then you know that you're locked in. But now you're locked in there. So the best thing to do is relax in there. When you feel that pain, then relax in the pain. Ooh. They'll fight against it. Don't let the devil convince you that you're failing, this is a bad thing. It's not. Relax in it once you realize that you're caught up in it. All right. And no, it's not stressful for me because I, one thing I know for sure now is that I am not my thoughts. I don't, do not create thoughts, and there's nothing I can do about it. 
So my only thing I'm doing is praying and being more mindful of them, and that's all I have to do. Just be aware of them. But if I try to control them, if I try to stop them, or if I try to discern what's right or wrong, then I would be stressful. But if I just let them flow through, it's like a, you know, a, a, a pipeline. They're just flowing through with no influence on me at all, unless I get caught up with it. So it's not stressful, because there's nothing I can do about it. It's all spiritual. If you can overcome the thoughts, you can overcome the devil, and life is good. Yes? I wish I had a meaningful follow-up question. I mean, uh, it, it just seems like you let your guard down a little bit. Like, you have to always be watching. You do. And it seems to be stressful for me to always be watching. Because and yet, when I don't watch, I get even worse. And when I do watch, I just see them controlling me. Right. But see, you're watching with your will. You're not watching with God's will be done. Yeah. I'm y- definitely y- doing that. Yeah, you're trying to make it happen. You still don't realize that of yourself, you could do nothing. You, he doesn't ask us to do anything about it but watch it. That's why he wants us to pray without ceasing. The, the most important thing you can do in life is pray and watch. That's the most, those are two of the most important things you can do. And everything else will work out. But if you, you know, you got to pray and watch without inserting your will into it. You're still trying to do it yourself. It's like when you run a water into a faucet, if the pipe is clean, the water just runs right through. There's nothing you need to do. Or you go outside, the sun is shining. You don't have to put any energy into knowing that the sun is shining. But that's how the light is on the inside. Hmm. You know, um, it's like I have an automatic response to put will into trying to fight this. Right. You know, the, the thoughts. You're a very willful person. You've got to yeah. lay that down. you got to let it die. All right. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Is this great or what? If you want to overcome your problems, overcome thoughts. Don't think about it. Don't control them. Don't manipulate. Don't decide which is good because it will it'll give you a headache. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I just realized for myself what you meant about time. Like if I was in the moment, I have all the time in the world. Yes. Instead of, instead of thinking about like what's going to, what I have to do in the future, in the future or what I've done in the past. That's deep. Yeah. Absolutely. If you lived in the moment with God, you wouldn't be worried about, oh, I got to do later. I got to be do that. I got to do that because it doesn't exist. Absolutely. That's why so God said, come into his presence. I'm with you now. I'm right here right now. It's all in the scriptures. It's in the Bible, but we're missing it because we've been trained to read the Bible with the intellect. So we're not getting the understanding that's really there. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. But we've been taught by those who couldn't see and meant well in some cases, but they're taught us uh, by intellect and not by spirit, the spirit of God. Isn't that amazing? And we're suffering as adults for it. And then we pass it on to our children. I know people who are so into their head, they can care less about other people. Even when they complain, if some have, it's always about someone else and not about how I responded to it, how I felt about it, what I thought about it. It's always about 
someone else. And how do you get to a point in life where God said that love the person that hates you? Love the person that want to destroy you? Love the person that's against you? How do you get to that point, you know? You got to love them and not think of you. You got to come out of here. That's how you get there. Out of your head and you got to pray. Are you telling me I have one minute or you have a question? Oh, go ahead. James wants to know, how do you resist the temptation and the devil without will? How do you resist? That's a good question. How do you resist the temptation and the devil without will? Well, first you got to realize you have this ego thing going, right? And And just acknowledging that and then submitting to prayer, God would do the rest. Because it's a spiritual thing going on. And this thing has made a, mind, a, a, a home through resentment. Whenever you resent, it has made a home in your mind, and then it makes you feel it in your, in your physical body. It makes you feel it, and then it makes you act out. But if you know that it's not you, it's just a, a spirit in your physical body, but not who you really are, when you pray, you start to see that. You just pray and watch, and God will start removing it from you. You just need to know that, like uh, he was saying earlier about the folks at work and how he doesn't just, you know, he just care about, cares about himself. Just knowing that is enough. Now you submit to prayer and, uh, and, my, and be mindful of those thoughts. Then the spirit is changing. It's that war for you. It's working on your behalf. It is really working on your behalf. The one thing I, so you just realize you're an ego, angry, driven person. And just pray. Commit to prayer and to awareness. That's all you need to do. That's all God requires of us. And the hardest thing is, is to pray because Satan doesn't want you to submit to prayer. That's why when you're in prayer, he makes you uh, doubt that you're praying right. He, oh, I heard, I've heard people who sit still and know God say, oh, I tried that, but it's not working. I've tried that one. Satan got them believing it's not working, but it is working. And they think that it's their own thinking that's telling them that it's not working. It's not. You are not in control anywhere of that. Um, one thing I realized that I did not know before, that there are two, there are two uh, types of faith that we deal with in life. Two kinds of faith. And we don't have time to get into it. But I just realized that there are two types of faith that we deal with in life. Have you ever thought about that? Th- that there are two types? Oh, you have. Good. What, is, what are they, even though we can't get into them right now? I don't have a label for them, but I just, uh, like the lady that you mentioned earlier that called on your radio show, uh-huh. I don't doubt that she was faithful. But to me, it was the wrong type of faith. When I meet a lot of women, uh, well, I've just met a few, maybe three, that are reverence. They know the Bible in and out, and they have a desire to follow Christ. Yes. But I sense that they have a, the wrong type of faith, though. But I don't have a label for it. Well, hopefully, if it's God plan, that we can talk about the two types. See, two types of faith. When you when you commit to prayer, and and, and be mindful of the devil by being mindful of the thoughts. It's amazing what God started to reveal to you. And you realize, wow, 
I just never knew that. Or if I know, knew it, I forgot about it. And life just starts to come about and build your faith and everything else. But we'll get into that next week. Here it is, folks. You got to, if you want to be free, you must forgive. You can't hold on to any iota of resentment so that you can enter into the kingdom within. Then you can start living because God will guide you. You must submit to prayer and mindfulness of thoughts. If you could just do those two things alone, life would be sweet because God is with you. You're right here right now. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, don't forget to donate to us. We need your support, all right? Thank you, everybody, for coming. I do appreciate it. Yeah! That went by fast. For more information, to purchase a copy of this program or to make a donation, visit us on the web at bondinfo.org or call one 800 411-2663. That's 1-800-411-BOND.